It's good to see you all here this morning on this wonderful morning. A little bit brisk. Would you call it brisk? Or would you call it freezing? <laughs> it's nippy out there. And you know, as we launch out into a new year, it's really important that we take a little bit of time, whether it's just in your your car on the way to work or your your prayer closet somewhere at home or just uh, uh, take some time and get along with God to seek or whether you go up on a mountain somewhere to pray. It's good to uh, seek God as we um, close the book on 2018 and uh, launch out into 2019. And I know we're We've got a good start already, you know, a couple weeks into it, but there's so much yet ahead of us. And I would challenge you, you know, to discover the promises of Almighty God. And even if you've been studying for some time, because see, what you believe is what you're going to get. You know, if if you think you're going to have the best year ever, you probably will. If you think you're going to have a lousy year, you probably will. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you expect. And I've used this term a time or two that we need to change our stinking thinking, you know, because what we think is often what we get. And the Bible tells us, you know, that all things are possible to those who believe. We saw that little song where a guy was carrying an empty suitcase, you know, full of empty promises is what it said. And as we began there, but God's promises are not empty. They're life-changing. They're powerful, <clears throat> and they change us. So uh, I know uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, the first service in uh, you know 2019, I shared uh, on a topic. I, I called it looking ahead, and I'd like to continue on that theme just a little bit as we look ahead to what is in front of us and challenge you to look at it uh, maybe different than you naturally would look at it if someone didn't challenge you along this line. But I want to give you a wee bit of a, a review, just a wee bit of a review of some of the things we talked about a couple weeks ago. And remember, a promise is speaking about something that's in the future. And there's a promise that this is going to happen or this is going to happen. But it says in Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> it says, this is our review. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, and he is, you know, and I write that in my Bible if you don't have it already. You know, if God is for us, and he is, who can ever be against us? And nobody can successfully be against us when God's for us, and he is for us. Verse 32 says, since he did not spare even his own son, so my Father God, since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us what? Everything. Wow, what a promise. I could read that verse every day of my life and be inspired, knowing that my Father God, he he made a plan because of my sin. I had to be forgiven. He made a plan. And his son uh, was my whipping boy. He took my place, you know. And if the father, he gave his son 
to wash my sins away. And he died. And then he rose from the dead. If he gave us his son Jesus, won't he, it says here, give us everything else? What a promise. Is there some things you're going to need in 2019? I think so. In your relationships, in your health, in your finances, in so many areas of our life, we're going to have needs in 2019. And he says, since he's given us his son, he'll give us everything else. So we can go boldly to God uh, when we have a need and we can seek him and, and claim the promises that he's given unto us. And then he says in verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And then I like the answer that echoes through the corridors of time from verse 37. It says, no. The question was, can anything separate us? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have these problems? Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm telling you, for 2019, overwhelming victory is yours through your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Overwhelming victory, and we need to claim his promises. We need to grab a hold of those, and we need to know how to unlock them so we can access him for our own lives. There's a fellow uh, by the name of Ravi Zacharias, and he tells an amazing story I want to share with you this morning about a young Christian in Vietnam. He writes, I was ministering in Vietnam, Ravi was, I was ministering in Vietnam in 1971, and one of my interpreters was Hen Pham, an energetic young Christian. He had worked as a translator with the American forces and was of immense help both to them and to missionaries such as myself. Hen and I traveled the length of the country and became very close friends before I returned home. We didn't know if our paths would ever cross again. Then 17 years later, I received a telephone call. Brother Ravi, a man asked immediately. I recognized Hen's voice, and he soon told me his story. Shortly after Vietnam fell, Hen was imprisoned on accusations of helping the Americans. His jailers tried to indoctrinate him against democratic ideals and against the Christian faith. He was restricted to communist propaganda in French and Vietnamese. And the daily deluge of Karl Marx began to take its toll. Maybe he thought, maybe I've been lied to. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. So Han determined that when he awakened the next day, he would not pray anymore or think of his faith. The next morning... He was assigned the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison latrines. As he cleaned out a tin, a can, a garbage can, overflowing with toilet paper, his eyes caught what seemed to be English printed on one piece of paper. He hurriedly grabbed it, washed it, 
And after his roommates had retired that night, he retrieved, to the, he retrieved the paper and he read the words. Romans chapter 8. Trembling, he began to read. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. For I am convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hen, he wept. He knew his Bible, and he knew that there was not a more relevant passage for one on the verge of giving up. He cried out to God, asking forgiveness, for this was to have been the first day that he would not pray. After finding the scripture, he asked the commander if he could clean the latrines regularly because he discovered that some official was using a Bible as toilet paper. Each day, Hen picked up a portion of scripture. He cleaned it off and added it to his collection of nightly reading. What his tormentors were using for refuse, the scriptures could not be more treasured to Hen. Eventually, he was released from prison and fled to Thailand, Today he is a businessman in the United States, a radiant Christian, and a living testimony to the power of God's word and its transforming power. Now you think about it for a moment. Not one time did we hear him complaining about his dirty job. Not one time did we hear him complain about how he found the scriptures. He was delighted, as filthy as they were, they contained life and faith building, you know, life that flowed to him and helped him in his greatest times of need. Now, our Bibles are really not that dirty, are they? They have a little dust on them if we've not been using them too much, but they're not filthy. The scripture is not filthy like what this guy had. He was delighted to have it and wash it up, clean it, let it dry. And that was his Bible. The Bible says faith comes by hearing his word. He was having little promises that he was discovering, and it was a very unusual way in which he was finding the scriptures that sustained him during his imprisonment. We think about this for a moment. God's word is so valuable, and we see it through his eyes. And let us take it to heart, because it would change our future. 2019 will be different when we look at the promises of Almighty God and learn to access those, learn to unlock them and apply them to our lives. We bit more of a review. We talked about two weeks ago, just briefly. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what Christ has done in the past, he will do now. What he's doing now, he will do in the future. The promises do not change. They are the same, and we access them the same way our fathers of faith accessed the promises then. And I'd like us to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, as we see how to unlock these promises for ourselves. It says, imitate. That means follow the example of. Imitate those who through, what's that? Faith. Imitate those who through faith and um, patience 
inherit the promises. You like the idea of someone left something for you? You like the idea of accessing it, not letting someone steal it from you? You know, you got to read the fine print in the will. And this is God's last will and Old and New Testament for us. And we can access this and unlock that. And the, the promises that were made do flow to us even this day. And we know that a, a will, and you know, last will and testament is usually not valid until someone dies. And Christ died. And it's valid. It's for us to access these promises. But it says, imitate those who through faith, and all things are possible to those who believe. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And I am telling you for 2019, you can access and inherit the promises of Almighty God through faith and patience. Those are the two keys that unlock them for us. And then in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory or, or honor to God. Is it possible during a difficult time your faith could grow stronger? We see this young Vietnamese guy who's in prison. We see his faith growing stronger and stronger in a very difficult time. But it was because he accessed the promises of Almighty God. He genuinely did. So it says here in Romans 4.20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory, honor to God. And he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And that is true. Last little piece of our review Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33 says, By faith, he says, By faith, here in Hebrews eleven thirty-three, it says, By faith, let me read one more time. It says, By faith, what's those two words say? By faith, By faith these people, they overthrew kingdoms and they, they ruled with justice and they received what God had promised. How? By faith. And we know we've already read the other key ingredient, patience. By faith and patience. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. By faith. Quenched the flames of fire. By faith. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. By faith. Their wickedness, their weakness. You ever weak? You know, we, we think we've got to be really strong for God to use us. God chose to use a little shepherd boy named David. He tended his daddy's sheep out there on the mountain. You know, he had a little slingshot he was always playing with. And he, he went in to deliver uh, some food supplies to his brothers who were on the battlefield. And all the trained warriors were hiding in the rocks because there was a massive giant of a man, Goliath, a warrior from his youth, nine foot and over, tall, a warrior who eat other soldiers for breakfast. And David, because everybody was afraid of him, David, weak, stepped out on the battlefield against everybody's judgment with a slingshot, and he took out that giant. Who was honored and glorified that day? The God of David. And the scripture says here, their weakness 
was turned to strength by faith. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. And that's Hebrews 11. If you read the whole chapter quite a few times, it would inspire you and change your life genuinely. Well, we're done with our review. I want to go forward here. Before I do, got to find my bag. Looks like everything's there. All right. It says here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says, So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Now, we've got to figure out what this is that we've been given, and then we've got to build upon it, okay? So I want to read Romans chapter 12. They're going to come right back to 2 Peter. But Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For by the grace of God, grace is, we understand... Uh, his unmerited favor, but a better biblical definition of grace is God's enabling power. And it says here, for by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability. Don't think more highly than he ought to think. You know, we're not the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, we don't you know, go and hold our head up above everybody else's. That's not the way we need to think. That's what he's telling us here. Don't have an exaggerated opinion of your own importance. So he says here, for by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has a portion to each a degree of faith as God had has apportioned now the word apportioned it means this you ever seen some of these what are they you ever played a game of cards what's the guy called who's doing this the dealer. And the Bible says that God has apportioned. That word apportion means, in other translations, it says it that way. It says God has dealt to every man. In this translation, it says the degree of faith. Other translation says the measure of faith. God has dealt. You didn't buy it. You didn't earn it. You know, but God when you and I were born and put into this old world, God gave you. He dealt it out. Now, what is the goal when someone deals you cards? Is your, is your goal to increase their value? It's not. It's to lose them? Well, I reckon you might have a point there. But your goal is to increase the value of your cards. Let's say if you were playing poker, you want a royal... Uh, Flush, right? You, you want the highest cards you can. And I'll tell you, when it comes to faith, you and I can increase our faith. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, he says, faith comes by hearing God's word. Your faith will be stronger when you leave in just a little bit 
out this door than your faith was when you came in the door. Because as we hear God's word, we read his word, it increases our faith. We'll begin to expect better things for 2019 than if we didn't read the Bible at all. Anyhow, it says here, if I can find where I was at there. Okay, here it is. In Romans uh, 12, 3, it says, For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has apportioned or God has dealt to each, to every one of us, to each a degree or a measure of faith and a purpose designed for service. So God has dealt to every one of us a certain amount of faith. He has given you enough of faith to start with. He's given you enough of faith to trust him as Savior. And then he's given us his word. And he says faith comes by hearing, hearing by his word. So we can increase our faith. That's what he wants. But if we just allow it to sit idle and dormant, we'll lose it. And it'll profit us nothing at all. But he says right here, and uh, this verse, it says, uh, God has apportioned or has dealt to each a degree of faith. And he's also dealt to us a purpose designed for service. And when we find what God's purpose for our lives are, we will be satisfied. We will be fulfilled and we'll be sustained and happier than just getting a physical raise in some career we all know this is what I was made for. This is what I was created for. And your life is making a difference. I'm telling you, that's the way it is. And he has dealt that purpose and the faith to get started to every one of us. What are we going to do with our faith in 2019? Will we allow it to sit idle and just lose it all and allow it to disappear? Well, let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. So it says, don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. What have we been given? Faith. God has dealt to us faith. He has. He's given it to us. And it says here, so don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Complimenting your basic, what? Complimenting your basic faith. Did I show you that I had some faith with me here today? This is full of faith. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. Okay. So it says, complementing your basic faith with, what's it say? With what? Good character. Okay, so we complement or we build upon our faith with good character. If you got good character, now, you know, you might be looking around and going like, this is a character sitting beside me, man. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your character. And if you got good character, it builds upon your faith. It strengthens your faith. That's what he's talking about here. And he says, don't lose a minute building on what you've been given. And we have been given faith. And he says to build upon it. Good character. What's the next one? I don't know if we have that on that passage. Spiritual understanding. Here's spiritual understanding. We're building. 
It's our chore to do this, you see, our task, our privilege to build upon our faith, to increase our faith. It's our choice to do that. And he says, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding. What's the next one? What? Can everybody see it? Way to go. Can anybody else see it yet? Do you believe it's going to show up? That's faith talking there. Don't blow my illustration, guys. Come on now. Let me know when it's there. Because we're not moving until we find it. What's it say? And y'all can leave that passage up for just a little while, okay? It says here, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, and what? Alert discipline. Y'all like discipline? Do we like the results of discipline? Everybody you've ever seen in the Olympics understood discipline. Every football player that you admire, basketball, baseball, every musician or great singer, they disciplined. They worked for hours on certain things. They got up before other people got up and they made sacrifices and they disciplined themselves in many ways to become expert of the areas in which they were experts at. And you and I, we understand the term a disciple, right? A disciple of Christ means a disciplined one. So as we add what kind of alert discipline to our faith, it increases. It increases and it strengthens us and it enables us. What was the next one? What was that? I can't hear. What are you saying? Passionate. Are you passionate about patience? Oh, no. We're usually not passionate about it. We complain and see true biblical patience is what you do while you wait. You praise God. You're positive. You're not negative and complaining. See, that's not the kind of patience that unlocks the promises of God. But as you're praising God, as you're waiting, you see. And we add passionate patience to our faith. That's what the Bible's talking about here. So he says, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, and what? Reverent wonder. Whoa. You know, uh, even understanding the fear of God uh, the fear of God is, is a reverence, a respect, a worship of him. Not fear like, I'm scared of God. Not that. That's not what he's talking about. Some of the fear of God, this awesome respect, and not wanting to displease him. You know, uh, in, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, it tells us that the fear of God is to hate evil. Because evil will separate us from God. The same way we would hate that rattlesnake, it'll separate us from life, you know. And so we hate evil. And we have this, this wonder. And we stand in awe and wonder at the almighty God. This reverent wonder because God is wonderful. Absolutely. And we add this reverent wonder to our faith. And man, man is, is doing something in there. It's, it's changing things. And then he goes on to say, what did we add? Warm friendliness. Is it possible to be friendly and not warm? 
cold friendliness. You know, it's like, well, I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about this warm friendliness. This, this is an amazing, he's talking about being like God, you know. And we add this warm friendliness to our faith. And then the last thing it says here is what do we add? Generous love. We add this generous love. And I don't know if, if you're familiar with this or not, but the, the way most of you got here today was in a vehicle of some kind, and they run by gasoline or gasoline and electricity. Some people have just an electric car completely. Some people have a vehicle that operates on diesel, you know. Car runs by gas, gas, electricity, or diesel, you know. The Bible says faith works by love. If you have no love for God or love for your fellow man, your faith won't work. It becomes stagnant, stale, powerless. So as we have our love for God and our love for our fellow man, our faith begins to work. So let me read this whole thing here to you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says, So don't lose a minute. Don't lose a minute. As we're launching out into 2019, don't lose a minute building on what you've been given. And we know that's faith. Complimenting your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. Each dimension fitting into, oh, this is like a puzzle. This is like mixing a recipe to make a beautiful cake or something or another. He says each dimension fitting into and developing the others. They work together. With these qualities that we just read about, with these qualities, what's that word? The next word? Active. With these qualities active and, and growing, these qualities active and, and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. It means you're on the move. You're going somewhere. <clears throat> you're not just stuck. You know, in a rut somewhere. It says, but with these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its. It didn't say no week or no month or no year. He said, no day will pass without its reward. There are promises that are blessed scenes that come your way daily. That's what he's talking about here. And he says, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward. No day. As a mature, as you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. Now, is maturity important? How many of you would give your car keys to a three-year-old? As long as you kept him separate from the car, it might be all right, but... The thing is, as much as you love your child and much as they cry for the car keys and much as they want to drive like daddy and mommy do, you love them too much because they're not mature enough to handle it, right? And see, we want to grow. We want to be active and we want to grow and we want to mature as the scripture says. And he says, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its rewards as you mature in your experience. As you mature, you know, in your experience of our master Jesus. Without these qualities that we just read about, without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. Without these qualities, you are short-sighted 
and blind. And as you launch out into 2019, you're going to be hindered and harassed and, and, and chased with fear and worry and anxiety. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. And it says, oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Oblivious or unconscious. You're looking at the future and the devil is harassing you about what you did last year. Or even further back than that. And he is harassing you. And you're not believing that God has forgiven you and has removed that thing as far as the east is from the west. And if you'll launch out into 2019 and being blind to the fact of your forgiveness, you're dragging an anchor and it will slow you down and you will not reach your full potential. That's just the way it is. But he says right here, and this is so important, as you mature in your experience of our master Jesus, by all those things, he says, without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you, oblivious at all, your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. And I like the fact that I know that I've been forgiven. I like to know that I've been cleansed from every wrong. And we can look into the future without our past pulling us back. And see, we need to believe the promise. The promise is if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to uh, forgive you and cleanse you from every wrong. See, you can't move forward as long as you're looking in the past. You know, even if you try to drive home today, just looking over your, your shoulder behind you, what's going to happen? You're going to run into somebody or something or off in a ditch or something or another. So it's important we, we look ahead and we grab a hold of the promises of Almighty God. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Each of us, a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. He says, I'll live in them. I'll move in them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Does corruption in our life hinder our future? What about compromise? Does it hinder our future? It does. So what's he telling us? Leave it. There's my corruption. I'm leaving it behind. And he says here, so leave the corruption and the compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Okay. He says, so leave it. Leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, God says. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. You can't just buddy-buddy around with those who will cause compromise and pollution. You, you, you want people to dump their pollution on your living room floor? You want them to dump their garbage on your, your lawn? And he says, so don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. You hear what God's saying? I want you for myself. I want a relationship with you. I'm crazy about you. You're my creation. I have given you a degree, a measure of faith, and I've given you a purpose. And that's where you'll be satisfied and you'll be fulfilled. I want you all for myself. 
I'll be a father to you, and you'll be sons and, and daughters to me, the word of the master God. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, with promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break of everything that defiles, everything that pollutes us and, and ruins us. Okay. Honest. Clean break. Sometimes we, we just confess a little. We get a little forgiven. But let's make a clean break. And that's what he's saying here. He says, with promises like this, to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break. As we're ending this year, launching out into a brand new one, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles and distracts. You ever get distracted? I tell you what, you make a commitment to spend some time to pray. You make a commitment to spend some time to read your Bible. Everything on the planet will come to try to distract you, to sidetrack you. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, the enemy of our soul does not want us to add something to our faith to strengthen us. He doesn't want us to enter maturity. He doesn't want us to exercise spiritually. He doesn't want that at all. Not at all. And he says here, with promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us. Both within, talking about spiritually, and without, talking about our flesh. Let's make our entire lives, what does it say? Fit. Anybody use one of those little things you put on your arm? It's called a fit. Fitbit. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever use a Fitbit? You know, it's just like at the end of the day, you climbed so many stairs, you took so many steps, you know it tracks your every move. You understand that, right? That's what the Fitbit is all about. But oh, what it would be wonderful if we had a spiritual Fitbit. It said, hey, you know, because the Bible says pray without ceasing. It says, you know what, you, you prayed for three hours today. Not a form prayer, but just as you're walking along, and you're asking God's blessings on things, and you're praising and singing and worshiping for another couple of hours today. You know, uh, you, you witnessed to two people today, but there was another 25 people who were watching your life and your example you didn't know about. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a spiritual Fitbit and it told us how much good and how much faith we, we release in a given day? Would that be amazing or what? So if you ever see one of those, let me know. I want to be the first one who owns one, okay? A spiritual Fitbit that kind of let us know what we were doing in a day's time. And it says here, it says, uh, with promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break of everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without, let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of Almighty God. Now, question. Did y'all see a piece of blank paper on your seat when you came in? Did you wonder what that was there for? I've been wondering that myself, you know, to be honest with you. But I think I found, figured it out. It's an article I came across, and I just want to read to you. Doug Marlette, he's a cartoonist. 
And his job is to draw a new cartoon every day. And he doesn't consider it pressure. He enjoys it. And he said, I have learned to love a blank sheet of paper. I've learned to love a blank sheet of paper. It braces me with this endless potential. So every day, you and I have been given a blank sheet of paper, and this represents a new day that is before us. Or oh, we have a new day and a new week and a new month and a new year in front of us right now. And we can feel the pages that are before us uh, with all kinds of stuff. And you think about this for just a moment. We can fill it with holiness and love. We can fill it with service. We can fill these pages with self-ambition. We can fill these pages with bitterness. The choice is up to us. What are you going to fill your page with? It's your choice. Even if you don't write it out with a physical pen, your day's activity is being recorded. Genuinely, we shall give account before Almighty God one day for that. That's what he tells us in his word. You know, So we're not limited by what we put on our page yesterday, thank God. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, it's, it's a new day, a new year, and this blank page is filled with opportunities. And the choice is yours. So as you look at that new page, and hopefully you'll take it home, put it somewhere that it will remind you of this, you know, that even if you blew it yesterday, Anybody blew it yesterday? Don't raise your hand. If you raise your hand, you just blew it, okay? All right, I saw that. Even if you blew it yesterday, you got a brand new sheet of paper today. And if you've blown it 10,000 days in a row, and you're, you're just hungry for a change. You're hungry to, to do something different, you know. You got a new day. You got a new sheet of paper God says if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from every wrong. Let me read you something out of the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22. It says, God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They, they're created new every morning. God's love and mercy is new every morning. <clears throat> so as we begin our day, whatever time you start your day, as you begin your day, it's like a sheet of paper. And you can put on your sheet of paper whatever you want, and it does not have to be connected to what was on the sheets of paper yesterday. And when you confess your sins to Almighty God, you know what? We're going to have this book that we carry with us for the rest of our life. And you confess your sins, and God, when he forgives you, he erases all that. But we don't want to just carry a book of emptiness, do we? We want to do something that really matters, that really counts. That really makes a difference is what we want to do. So you think about that. And um, are you ready for a change? You know? Are you doing the same thing that you always did? Well, I got an article I want to share with you. And it's a U.S. standard railroad gauge. It's, it's the distance that railroad tracks have between them. You know? Now think about this for a moment. Does anybody know what's the distance between the rails on a railroad track? <clears throat> it's four feet, eight and one-half inches between the rails, okay? So oh, I, that's what I learned at church today. That's, that's awesome. That's good to know that. Why such an odd number? Four feet, eight and one-half inches between rails. <clears throat> because that's the way they built them in England. 
And American railroads were built by British immigrants. Why did the English adopt that particular gauge? Four foot, eight and one, in, eight and one half inches wide. Because the people who built the pre-railroad trams used that gauge. Now, they in turn were locked into that gauge because the people who built tramways used the same standard and tools that had been used for building wagons. You, you know, like covered wagons and stuff like that. But they had been used for building wagons which were set on a gauge of four feet, eight and one half inches. Why was the wagons built to a scale of four feet, eight inches and, and one half? Because with any other size, the wheels did not match the old wheel ruts on the road. And a lot of the roads were stone. And they had ruts that were ground into them and in the soil. And if they didn't build the wagons with a four foot, eight and one half inch, you know, distance between them, they wouldn't have matched the ruts that were already there. So who built these old rutted roads? The first long distance highway in Europe were built by Imperial Rome for the benefit of their legions. The roads have been in use ever since. And the ruts were first made by Roman war chariots. Four feet, eight and one half inches was the width a chariot needed to be to accommodate the rear ends of two war horses. So if when you go out and see that railroad track, you can say with confidence, them tracks are that far apart to fit the rear end of two horses in there. Is it, the, is it the wisest measurement to use? Probably not. Because we don't use war horses that much anymore, do we? And we wonder, well, why? Have you ever said, well, I wonder why we do this? I wonder why we do that? Or you ever say something to somebody and go, well, that's just the, the way we've always done it. Well, why'd you always done it that way? And maybe what happened last year? Maybe you start off with a New Year's resolution and within the first three weeks you crash and fail. Maybe New Year's resolutions is not what it's all cracked up to be. Maybe it's accessing the power of Almighty God. Maybe it's allowing God to forgive us and to cleanse us and to access His promises and tap into His power. Maybe we need something new and improved. You know, for the last year we've been talking about I believe that God spoke to us that we need to reinvent ourselves as far as the church. Do we need to reinvent some things in our own lives? Do we need to leave some things behind us? You know, like stuff like this. It's been affecting us. You know, we need to leave it behind and not carry it with us. And make sure you've dug down deep enough to get it all out. So it's not affecting our future. Think about this for a moment. Now, I want to show you something and then we'll dismiss. <clears throat> I have been watching some little video clips for the last year or two. And it's where uh, folks have discovered a method to create these glasses. And you might have seen some of them. And a person who is colorblind can wear these glasses and they, for the first time, can see color. And it works for about 80% of people who are colorblind. And they can see color for the first time in their life. 
and it's impacted me, and I'm in tears about every time I've ever seen anything like this, but I want to share something very significant after we watch this little clip, okay? So this is what's happening, colorblind people using these glasses that allow them to see color for the first time. It might, but some people see the effect right away. Oh, it's different. It's different. It's different. Yeah. Oh my God, it's different. Okay. It's different. <laughs> Turn around and look at the lights. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. What colors you see? Those. You see colors now? Oh my god, is this the real world? <laughs> is this actually what it looks like? seen dozens of those and I cry when I see it you know it's just like they're they see black and white basically and they see color for the first time and it 
It just impacts them. And you'll see hard, tough men, you know, they put them on, they look around for a moment, and they burst out crying. You know. I want to read you a passage out of the Bible. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We've not seen what all God has in store for us. We've not heard the sounds and the, the music that God has prepared for us or the things he's prepared for. Our, we've not... Let me read the rest of it. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of the man in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But... God has revealed them to us through his spirit. You know something? That was awesome. I was so inspired by it. The people can see color for the first time. How delighted they are. But when you come to Christ and you surrender your life to Christ and you for the first time know what it's like to look forward without the weight of guilt and condemnation and sin of the past, but you've been forgiven. And when you have a relationship with Christ, and you know, the Bible says you, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you become a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. All things have, be, all things have become new. The sky really is bluer. The, the grass really is greener and I can breathe and and the guilt and the shame of my past is no longer there. I'm telling you, it's as fantastic, or more fantastic than only discovering color just with your eyes. But what you see and what you perceive and what you hear and what you experience in your heart and your future is richer and more fantastic and wonderful when you surrender your life to Christ. That was fantastic. But a relationship with Christ is even more phenomenal than what we saw there because it changes the whole man. And we see things through the eyes of faith. Now, instead of fear and, and worry, there's hope. Hope means a confident expectation for the future. I'm talking about being changed, every part of us, and seeing things different. And I tell you what, I'm, I am so open to change of what God says in his word. And he tells us, and we'll look at it maybe next week, but he talks about as we behold, as we look upon him in his word, he changes us from glory to glory. It is more fantastic than what we say. And that was great. But it's more fantastic than that. What he has in store for you and for me. Now our time is up. It's 12.24. I supposed to be done at 12.15. I'm sorry. It's 12.25 now. Boy, it changed real quick. But what I want to challenge you, Let's just surrender our life to Christ. Now, many of you have done this before, and would you reaffirm your faith with me as we surrender our life to Christ? And those who are here who've never done such a thing, would you join us and surrender your life to Christ? And maybe those watching online, you want to surrender your life to Christ and let Christ change your world. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. And I do believe that the best is yet to come.
I believe that Jesus died in my place when he gave his life on that cross. I believe he was raised from the dead on that third day and that he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door and I receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and my King. I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.